Hello? You play to win the game. You know what it is, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Freestyle. I'm your host, the Spitting Statistician, Dane Martinez. Usually we got Matty Mo Modica in the building, but he is in a cabana somewhere in Vegas because he is drafting for the main event or some other NFFC. So we are overjoyed this week to have a cameo appearance by my guy, Benny Ricciardi. Benny joins us from 4deep.com. Benny, what's going on? Thanks for uh, pinch hitting as we go into week one. How you feeling do you feel like it's a christmas morning about to pop yeah i feel i actually feel now that i'm a dad as you are yourself i feel yep. like it's two days before christmas morning because right now i'm wrapping all the presents and trying to trying to put all the bows on everything to get ready for christmas morning when the uh when the nfl actually starts and we do all that content here so this is a nice little break from the 500 things i got on my to-do list today Fair enough. I'm glad you consider this a break, but it is hard work because we are going to get people some cash here. Remember, by the way, Fantasy Freestyle on the Cloud 10 Podcast Network representing the starting five. Be sure to also check out the Marketplace and Fantasy Foes with guys like Corey Parson, Nando Defino, and Adam Ronis. You know, when we get into our groove here, now that the regular season is starting, what we're really going to be doing is giving you insights on the waiver wire, giving you takeaways and how to apply it for the next week of Fantasy football but we did that all summer long matt modica and i giving you kind of guys we like guys we didn't rookies that were on the radar and your draft approach so hopefully that's all set we'll get you on the waiver wire starting next week this week with benny what i want to talk about is dfs you know week one benny is so interesting in dfs most notably because those prices have been out there for a while and i think there's great kind of opportunity now that you know Jonathan Taylor's on the pup list or Cooper Cup mm -hmm. is probably going to miss and I think mm -hmm. week one is so unique in that way do you agree and are there any kind of rules of thumb when approaching week one of DFS different than any other week of the season Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you you hit the nail on the head with one of the big ones here with the Jonathan Taylor thing. Sure. And it really comes down to the rosters that you are able to build for week one of DFS that you're not going to be able to build probably for any of the other weeks for the rest of the season for that exact reason is that the, the prices have been sitting out there for weeks right now, right? They came out a couple weeks ago. Everybody was happy about it on Twitter, throwing out all this information and who they like, who this, who that. But we've had obviously things happen between them. There's been a couple trades. There's been a couple injuries. There's been stuff there. The numbers that were put out a couple weeks ago are still the numbers out there. The prices that were put out a couple weeks ago are still the prices out there. So today, for what we're looking at with the you know the lenses on of now having all the information that has happened here, there are certain things that stand out as this guy is just dirt cheap for what he's going to be getting. This guy is just way too cheap and somebody that you almost can't even fade or like try to play around right now. And that's not always the case in DFS. A lot of times when the season is going on, you know, there's a lot more different ways that you can go with things where you have to make decisions on some of these higher owned guys. Whereas this is a week that I'm probably going to be way more willing to eat some of this really, really good chalk that's going to be out there mm -hmm. because you almost kind of have to because the price is just way too low for what it would be when, you know, we had an inkling that maybe a Jonathan Taylor wouldn't play right. in week two. Like you're not getting Deion Jackson for the same price next week that you're getting him for this week. So if you're going to play him, this is the week to play him, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. As my man Fat Joe used to always say, yesterday's price is not today's price, except for week one of DFS, where the price actually stays the same. So let me start right there. Deion Jackson, running back out of Indianapolis. I see him on FanDuel at 5600 He's $100 less than like Zach Moss, who also got hurt and won't be in that backfield. So let me ask you, you know, I said it kind of in the intro. You said with Jonathan Taylor, are you going to have Deion Jackson kind of as a cornerstone of a lot of lineups because you can get him so cheap and that gives you kind of more budget to allocate to your other positions? Like, are you going to ride with Deion Jackson because of the opportunity, because of the price or because of the player that he actually might be? On see, and this is where it gets a little bit site specific, right? Like okay. at that price on Fandle, he's yep. a good play, but not a great play because sure. there are other guys that are only a couple hundred dollars more where you could come down off of like a super high end wide receiver to a mid tier wide receiver and maybe get somebody better than him at like sixty three hundred, sixty five hundred dollar range. Sure. On DraftKings, though, at forty one hundred. It, it is very tough not to play him over there. Right. Also because, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a Deion Jackson game last year where he put up a monster score, like 20-something fantasy points. I think he had like 10 catches in that game right. too. So on the full PPR site, it's even tougher for me to get away from him. And like I said, at that $4,100 price on DraftKings where it's yeah. super cheap, he's going to be super chalky, but I think he's good chalk. Because even if you don't think the Indianapolis run game is going to do all that great in this, which I really honestly don't. I don't think Indianapolis' run game is going to be that great. But if it is, he's going to be the guy. And if it's not, he's also going to be the guy because he's going to be the receiving back that's going out there. Yeah, because they're just so – there's just so little else that they have over there that he's going to be able to, you know, kind of get there one way or another at that $4,100 price. If he gets in the end zone, he's going to smash his price. He's going to go for – you know, four or five X of what his, uh, you know, mm -hmm. price is. And when we say that over on DraftKings, you know, if a guy's 4,100 and we say he's going to go for four or five X, we're talking 16 to 20 points, right? So you take right. the, you know, you divide it by a thousand, 4.1, divide it, you know, multiply it by four or five, you get 16 to 20 points is what we're expecting out of him. And I think that that's a reasonable expectation and God forbid he has like an upside game, right? Like what if he breaks up, sure. if he breaks like a 65 yard touchdown run or catches a pass for like 65 yards and scores a touchdown on it. If he puts up like 25 at 4,100 and you don't have him, you can't win. So he's a guy that's going to be chalky. But again, when you can put a running back in there at 4,100, that's probably going to get you 15 points and has the ability to get you 20 to 25, you're going to be able to fit the other high price guys in, which is what makes this week one so interesting is that there are guys there that are going to allow you to fit the two or three superstars right. in your lineup that you're not usually able to do on a normal week. So on DraftKings, definitely playing him. On FanDuel, he's a good play, but he's not a must play. All right, fair enough. Let me uh, let me bring up, and by the way, the Indianapolis Colts are at home against Jacksonville. And listen, weird things happen in the AFC South Divisional matchup. So we will see about that. But Deion Jackson could be a cornerstone to Benny's point, which will allow you to get, you know, to – to afford Christian McCaffrey in your lineup, you know, for lack of a better term, you can get those stars because you're saving so much money on some of these other running backs here on the fantasy freestyle, where we help you win your leagues and win that cash. Benny, I have a couple of other running backs that I'd love to get your thought on and see if you have any as well at the running back position. There's two other guys that I think also benefited from the early posting of prices, right? For me, one of those guys is Javante Williams. 
in Denver. Okay, I see him at 6,500. And to be honest, you know, when these prices came up, there were still health concerns about Javante Williams. It looks to me like he's answered those questions and he may be the main beneficiary of Sean Payton being over there. Remember, like he uses backs out of the backfield as well. Williams had it gets a got a bunch of targets in his kind of limited preseason action. And they're going up against the, the Vegas Raiders, who at least last year was a bottom five run defense. I actually think Williams is prime. If we remember what he was two years ago in his rookie year, I think he has stud-like potential. And I think that's a little bit of a discount. The other name I'll give you is also another Jay Williams, but it's Jamal over in New Orleans. I have been impressed, Benny by the Saints offense. I think Carr there raises all boats. And as you know, Alvin Kamara is not there for the first few weeks of the season. And that suspension was kind of up in the air until recently as well. So I see him, uh, Jamal, the leading touchdown getter in the National Football League last year in the mid to high 6,000s as well. Those are a couple of guys that I kind of think are interesting. Remember, I also believe that with the new head coach over there, I don't think they're going to necessarily be using Taysom Hill in the same way. I think they got Jamal Williams for a reason. I think Jamal Williams gets into the end zone in that game against Tennessee. And I like Javonta Williams as well over in Denver. They're in the 6,000 range. Do you like either of those guys, fade either of those guys, or have any other running backs to throw out there for the people? Yeah, I mean, listen, I like I like both of the guys that you mentioned cool. here, especially especially over on Fandle, right? Like, there, there's a difference between the two sites that you're playing. When you're playing sure. over on Fandle, it's half PPR over there, so you're not getting as many points for the guys that catch the passes out of the backfield and stuff like that, which is something on DraftKings that, you know, you want to make sure you're you're getting it out of your running backs. And then the other thing that I like about it, too, is that, you know, Jamal Williams is cheaper over on the DraftKings side. He's only 5,100. I like him more on the DraftKings side, whereas I like Javante Williams a little more on the FanDuel side because I do think he's going to be the guy that has the touchdown equity. He may lose some of those passes out of the backfield to Samaj P. Ryan. They also brought in to kind of, you know, be the one-two punch with him this year. But again, without, you know, Alvin Kamara there at 5,100 over on DraftKings, I like Jamal Williams quite a bit. You could put a Jamal Williams and a you know, Deion Jackson in the backfield together, you spend $9,200. You could wind up getting 20 plus fantasy points out of both of those guys and leaving yourself a ton of other money out there to go get two or three high end wide receivers and a good quarterback and not have to take like a min price defense when you're doing your builds over there on DraftKings. So that's why stuff like this really matters. Again, we didn't have, I think we probably had the Alvin Kamara news when they released the uh, okay. you know, the pricing over here on that. So I don't think it had as big an effect there. But yeah, I mean, these, these are the kind of things that happen in a week one. So I do like uh, Jamal Williams more on DraftKings side. Javante Williams, definitely a guy that is going to be in over on my FanDuel side. He could rush for 100 yards in that game and score multiple touchdowns. And you really like the touchdown upside of anybody you want guys that score touchdowns when you're over there on uh on Fandle I don't know if Jamal Williams is going to have the same touchdown equity he had last year I mean he was it felt like this guy was getting one every single game it was ridiculous it was absolutely ridiculous and and all of them were from like the one or two yard line also as he led the league for sure um so maybe that won't happen again but remember you know it's not like last year where they had Taysom Hill as kind of this goal line back in New Orleans I think they're going to be a much more kind of prototypical offense so i'm glad that we see it the same way but we didn't compare notes there's got to be some other running backs out there that you like for week one 
Yeah, I mean, listen, I like a guy like Miles Sanders a lot too, especially over on <clears throat> on DraftKings because you know we've we've seen what there were there were drawbacks to Miles Sanders when he was in Philadelphia. One of the drawbacks is whenever they got the ball on a one or two yard line, they just ran it with Jalen Hurts, so he wasn't getting the touchdown equity. The other drawback is he was losing some of that third down work to Kenneth Gainwell. Right. Every once in a while, they would even bring in a guy like Boston Scott to punch in a you know a, a touchdown there. Over in Carolina, the reason he went there, the reason he said he went there, the way Carolina said they're going to use him is that he's going to be the workhorse guy, right? He's going to be a three-down back over there, meaning he's going to be getting that passing down work right now. He's going to be the guy who's getting the carries over there. He's going to be the guy who's probably scoring some of the touchdowns for them as well. So we have to see how all that works out. I mean, that's a guy who I had my eyes on here. He's a little bit cheaper than a lot of the other guys who project pretty much the same way that he does. He projects around... You know, the Joe Mixons, the the Aaron Joneses, the Ramondre Stevensons, the J.K. Dobbins. Those guys are all $1,000 more expensive on DraftKings than he is. So mm-hmm. if you're looking to save some money and get some of these guys here, which is the way that I like to build with running backs when I'm playing in these tournaments over on DraftKings, a guy like Miles Sanders at 5,600 is somebody I have my eye on. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point, really, who's behind him in Carolina, right? Like Chuba Hubbard, he's not getting goal line work. They're certainly protecting the rookie there. So they brought Miles Sanders over to be, like you said, that three down back. Over on FanDuel, he's a little bit more expensive at 6900 but the role is definitely still there. Um, So, Benny, I want to go over to uh, the quarterbacks. You know, we dove into the running backs as the opportunity with, you know, a guy like Deion Jackson. We talked about some others. I'm going to tell you the truth. Uh, One of the things I do Benny when I look at DFS is I look at the game totals okay I look at the totals of the games and I look at what is expected to be a high scoring game you know like we're not going to have some of the best offenses in football on the main card you're not going to have the Kansas City Chiefs or the Lions you're not going to have the Cowboys you're not going to have the Bills right Um, but who you will have and they're facing each other is the Miami Dolphins and the Los Angeles Chargers and I'm telling you right now people always forget and people make jokes about uh, to a but to me, the only question was his health and there's going to be no time when he is as healthy as possible than week one. And I see him over at 7,700 on FanDuel. chargers dolphins is the highest total of, of the day on Sunday. And I see Tua as about four or $500 less than Herbert. And I think that Tua is actually a really, really good quarterback for a really, really prolific offense. And because I'm saving money on running back, I might just be able to pair him with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. But I'm intrigued by Tua as my quarterback week one. Yeah, I, I think it's a great idea here. You know, you you want the guy who's the underdog in the high total games. Those are right. things that you always that you always look for when you're playing in DFS. And if you remember last year, like you know, people forget about. How good Miami was when Tua was there. They you were know, carving the- people up left and right, Benny. They were finding seams for Jalen Waddle over the middle. And these guys take a pass that's like 12 yards, and then they go to the house. Yeah, well, that's the thing about the two receivers that they have. You can throw an out to either one of these guys. They break a tackle. They're gone. And next thing you know, that's, you know, the, the 80 passing yards still counts for the quarterback, even if he only threw the pass for seven and, uh, you know, the, the wide receiver did the rest of it. And he's got two guys that can take any touch that they get all the way to the house in Hill and Waddle right there. So, you know, I, I will, Dane, I'm going to make a bold call. That's not really a bold call here. Uh-oh. But if you're somebody who wants to find your way into like, you know, the fantasy football world championship on FanDuel or, you know, the DraftKings king of the beach or one of these things. 
you can go literally every week stack Tua with those two wide receivers, yep. somebody on the other side of that game, or a bunch of somebody's on the other side of that game if you mix and match. And there's going to be at least one, probably more like two or three weeks, where both of those guys get 100 yards and go off. And Tua's going to have a game where he throws for 400 and three or four touchdowns. Like I said, it's a bold call, but I don't even really think it's a bold call because we have seen it happen and we're going to see it happen again with the explosiveness that that offense has right here. And, you know, again, I have no problem with Tua. They're in the highest total game on the board. They're going to go back and forth with, uh, you know, the Chargers there. The Chargers are playing or expected to play at a much higher pace this year with their new offensive coordinator and a new offensive scheme that they're running. So if this is the game that has the most plays and the most explosive players in it, at some point those guys are going to break some. So there's going to be some big scores coming out of it. I love Miami. I love the Chargers. I love a lot of guys in that game. I think if you don't have any exposure to that game in your lineups, you're probably doing it wrong in DFS this week. Yeah, absolutely. And like we said, it is the highest total on the board for Sunday. And two is Medulla Oblongata is going to be in the best shape that it is all <laughs> fall. But Benny, do you have any other quarterbacks you want to throw out there? You've already, we talked about Miami and the Chargers, how that's a high total game. You talked about even having guys come back the other way. Maybe we'll get into that in wide receivers, but any other quarterbacks to have on our radar this week? So again, it depends what site you're playing on. On sure. FanDuel, the, the way the build goes is that you can actually pay up for some of the more expensive quarterbacks if you want. You know, I think Justin Field is going to be a guy who is very highly owned on both sites this week, even despite his price, because, you know, again, the guy that has the ability to rush for 100 yards and get himself in the end zone with his legs, you know, again, you get a lot more um, fantasy points for the rushing yards than you do for the passing yards. You know, basically 2.5 times for it is the way that it works out there. Every 25 passing yards is one point. Every 10 rushing yards is one point. So if a guy rushes for 100 yards, which Field did a couple times last year, it's the equivalent of adding another 250 passing yards to his number. So, you know, if he throws for 200 already and he rushes for 100, it's like having a guy who threw for 450 yards, which is going to be a big number there. Fields put up a bunch of QB1 overall numbers last year in uh, in fantasy. Mm-hmm. So I think that's somebody who a lot of people are going to play. On the DraftKings side, I actually like going with some of the cheaper options. You know, like a guy like Deshaun Watson at only $6,000 feels really cheap for me in that game against Cincinnati. You're going to have to score to keep up with Cincinnati. So I think that's somebody that you can look at there. Um, who else did I like a little bit this week? Um, I don't hate Geno Smith going up against the Rams right. as well. $6,100 there. You know, again, maybe you stack them with like a, with like a DK Metcalf if you want to go that route and, and see what you can get there. Um, you know, the the Tampa Bay-Minnesota game is a sneaky one, I think, too. I don't think Minnesota's defense is very good. Now, again, I don't think Tampa Bay's offense is very good with Baker Mayfield back there. But, you know, Baker Mayfield to Chris Godwin, I think, is going to be a big one. Chris Godwin is projecting as one of the highest-owned wide receivers on the board. And because he's projecting as one of the highest-owned, you're probably going to see a lot of ownership going on to Baker Mayfield as well because you can put those two guys together, build some good teams around them there. And then even a guy like Sam Howell. You know, Sam Howell, $4,900 over on uh, on DraftKings. Again, if you're you're going to need to figure out some ways to save money, even with having a guy like a Deion Jackson out there or, you know, some of these wide receivers that I'm sure we'll get into in a minute mm-hmm. here that are kind of cheap. You know, you get you could put like Dotson and Hal together and they're less than ten thousand dollars for those two guys. Let's say they hook up for, you know, two touchdowns in that game. You're going to get some 
some big four or five X returns out of those guys and still have the money to go pay up for those superstars. You know, the, the Justin Jefferson's and right. the Christian McCaffrey's and the, you know, all the other Austin Eckler's and all the other studs that you want to get into your lineup. All right. No, that definitely makes sense. I'm going to have the Washington defense maybe in my lineup as well, because I expect it to go very poorly for the Arizona Cardinals who make the trip west to east for an early start in our nation's capital. Benny, you mentioned the wide receivers here, and there's one wide receiver that I think is similar to Deion Jackson in the way that, you know, his price point doesn't acknowledge that the true leading wide receiver will not be playing. And that's in Los Angeles. That's with the Rams. There's going to be no Cooper cup. We think, you know, he had a little setback with the hamstring going to see a specialist, that sort of thing. And I was wondering, you know, even going into the season before that, like, who is really the number two in Los Angeles after Cooper Cup, who I know has his little breakfast club with Matthew Stafford and all that. But Van Jefferson, Benny, is only 5,500 over on FanDuel. You'll let me know what he is on DraftKings. And he now becomes the number one wideout in a game where, to be quite honest, they're playing against Seattle and Seattle scored last year. You're going to have to throw the ball in order to kind of keep up. And I see Van Jefferson, and I think he's a bargain basement guy who is going to be the leading target getter among the wide receivers for the Rams. I think he becomes sort of like another no-brainer out there, Benny. On Fandle at 55, I agree with you. On DraftKings, he's 47. Which is a little pricey. And I also don't think it's the greatest matchup either. I think, you know, Seattle, Seattle has some young corners out there that are pretty That's true. And again, like, yes, he's the number one receiver, but you know, and again, I'm not saying Van Jefferson isn't talented. I think Van Jefferson had a chance. I had him on like a breakout candidate as like a wide receiver too for his team this year, right? Right. But there's a lot there's a lot of a difference between being the wide receiver two and being the wide receiver one. And here's the other thing, too, is, you know, he is an outside guy. Right. So they're going to line him up on the outside. Cooper Cup is really more of an inside guy. I don't know who the guy who actually is going to be in there for Cooper Cup is. Who Atwell or something. Well, and that's what I'm saying. But <laughs> even then, like the size that he has, I'm not exactly sure. But I'm, I'm having a, I'm having the feeling that. Van Jefferson will have an above average game for what he would have had if Cooper Cup is there. 100% agree on that. But I think to think that he's going to see all those okay. targets okay. is probably not the right way. I think you're going to see a lot more to like maybe a guy like Higby over That's the That's what middle. I was just going to ask you. Let yes. me ask you that then. What about right. Higby at the tight end position? Because I get – you're right. Remember, I was trying to figure out who's going to be the number two target getter for the Rams yes. anyway. A lot of times I wound up with, oh – Maybe it's Tyler Higby. And now you yeah. mentioned the point about the outside with those good young cornerbacks versus some of the inside work. What about yep. Higby? I see him at 5,300 on FanDuel. We can go back to some of the wide receivers, but would you rather have Higby or rather than Jefferson to kind of exploit the target share abandoned by Cooper Cup? Yeah, I, that's kind of the way that I'm leaning here because, again, if you look at what happened last year after Cup went out, that's when Higby started getting targeted more because, you know, he's the guy who's running those routes over the middle. And I think that's going to be the easier way to attack Seattle, especially, I mean, listen, they're without their safety, right? Jamal Adams, you know, yep. former New York Jet, our boy back in the day. And they're um, always without him. <laughs> yeah, well, that that is true. That's actually one of the few things the Jets did that I'm not that upset about. I didn't like it at the time, but it actually worked out pretty well for him. Sure. But yeah, I mean, I think over the middle is where they're going to have a little bit more success there. So I'm probably a little bit more I, I, I'm i going to be heavier on a guy like Tyler Higby than I'm going to be on Van Jefferson. Although, I mean, again, I agree with you that Jefferson should get more targets than he would have if Cooper Cup was playing. 
I just, you know, you got to look at the matchups and stuff, right? I just don't think it's like a, it's not a cakewalk matchup. He might be a solid play, but I don't think he's a great one this week. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. Let me give you some other wide receivers that I'm looking at. Um, they don't necessarily have the obvious, like some a big piece of the pie is missing, but I just think that the market is too low. And, you know, that's something that happens here in week one also, right? We get to see the way that teams are actually using some guys. We get to see if the hype is real. And I already told you with Tua, I'm going to find a way to get Hill and or Waddle in there. Okay. So that's going to be one of my wideouts already. Two guys I'm interested in. One, the hype train has gone crazy, and I, I'm with it. I believe Calvin Ridley is a top 10 wide receiver, Benny. I believe this Jacksonville pass offense is going to be one of the top 10 in the league. And I see Ridley, at least on FanDuel, he is at 7000 but he's only $100 more than uh, Christian Kirk. Okay, and I think Ridley is going to present himself to be the true alpha of that passing game. And I kind of want to be ahead of the curve instead of responding to it there. And then the other guy for me, and I can't believe I'm recommending Baltimore Raven wide receivers, Benny, but give me <laughs> all of the Zay flowers. Okay. He's only 5,500 on FanDuel. He's priced as the third highest Baltimore wide receiver. And I think they are going to unleash him. Uh, his teammates already love him. You heard Odell talking about, he got, he could be a top 10 wide receiver in the league. They have packages and plays designed for him and they're going up against the blunt guts trash team that i believe is the houston texans in week one i think they're going to go all over them give me zay flowers i think he has a breakout and i'm excited to see ridley in this kind of comeback story with that jacksonville pass offense ridley and flowers are two guys that i'm interested in so um let's start with the flowers thing right like i don't disagree with you i think flowers is going to be good my biggest concern with that game though is that they are absolute. I think blunt guts trash was the uh, the yep, way blunt guts trash. So you think yeah, they're gonna dominate them? They're gonna be up twenty seven nothing, and we're gonna see a lot my, of J.K. Dobbins. That's my fear is that you're gonna see. It, it might even turn into you're gonna see a lot of like Gus Edwards because sure. it's getting so ugly at that point. But but that's my one fear there with Flowers. But yes, I think I think he's going to have a good game. I think he's going to be a big part of this offense. I actually want to play him in the games where I think that they're gonna be close and or possibly losing and they're going to have to throw because I do think he is going to be one of the, I, I still think Andrews is the favorite target of Lamar Jackson. I don't think that's going to change, but I do think flowers is going to be a guy who gets a lot of work over there too. So I like him. I don't love him. Got it. The, the, Oh man, the Christian Kirk and Calvin, Calvin Ridley. Ridley thing here is it's tough for me, right? Because like over on DraftKings, I think, Christian Kirk is a thousand dollars cheaper than Calvin Ridley. Okay. Um, but Christian it's only Kirk. Only hundred dollars on FanDuel. Yeah. So that's that's very much a, a difference there. The other thing too, though, is the ownership projections. Because he's a thousand cheaper, Christian Kirk is probably going to be 16 percent owned. Whereas you're probably only going to get Ridley at like five or six, maybe. I, I I would even venture to guess that might be a high estimate. He's probably going to be a sub five percent owned guy over on DraftKings, which is going to be something that I'm going to be interested in over there. Where there's only a hundred dollar difference between the two, I, I that over on Fandle, I think would force you to lean one way or another. I'm gonna be honest, I have been sticking with um a lot of Christian Kirk and like the best ball drafts and something heading into the season. And, and it's not that I don't like Calvin Ridley, it's just Christian Kirk had a really good season last year. He finished, I think, as wide receiver 14 or wide receiver 16, somewhere in that in that teens range right there. And he's being drafted at like wide receiver 30 this year. So even if he does take that step back, even if Ridley does become the alpha over there, 
I still think you're getting a good value on Christian Kirk because, again, it's not like they're going to stop throwing the ball to this guy. And one of the things I liked about Christian Kirk a lot, too, is that he was a touchdown maker for them last year. He was a guy that they went to in the red zone. He was a guy who found his way in there. So I know people who think I'm crazy for being on the Christian Kirk train, and I get it. I mean, Calvin really has looked great if you – you know, you look at some of the stuff you've seen coming out of like yep. camp and and all the word is that he's awesome. And again, as a fellow degenerate gambler, you got to love the guy. But, you know, I am still on uh, I am still on the Christian Kirk <laughs> side of that coin right there. But I see I see where you're coming from. I don't think it's a bad idea. I like I like where your head's at. All right. Fair enough. So who are some other wideouts that you like? I've given you some that I like. Who are the ones that are on your radar? Yeah, I mean, again, I'm I'm more of a DraftKings guy than a FanDuel guy. $5,900 price tag on Chris Godwin is just – it's criminal. He might end up as the highest-owned wide receiver because he's just so e- – when you're building lineups, it's just so easy to put a, a, a Chris Godwin into your lineup and, you know, st- like not really hurt the amount of money that you have. But what I'm going to do, Dane, is rather than give people one name here, I'm going to give people a way to think about building lineups over on DraftKings, right? Because to me – this is the most important thing is knowing how to everybody knows the numbers. Everybody can go buy an optimizer or find sure. all that stuff nowadays. But to me, the real advantage you get in, over on DraftKings is understanding how to build lineups. So the the sweet spot for me for wide receivers is like that, like five to seven thousand dollar range. And, and I'll break it down for you exactly why. Right. You want a guy who's going to get 100 yards receiving on a day. And there are 8 or 10 or 12 names that we could talk about of guys that have a good chance of ending up with a 100-yard receiving day. You get that 100-yard receiving, you get that three-point bonus, so that's worth 13 points for you right there. Now, to get 100 yards, you're probably getting somewhere between five and seven catches, right? So that's going to be another five to seven PPR points. So 13 plus five to seven, we're talking 18 to 20 points here, right? And those guys are also very likely to get into the end zone if they're having a five to seven catch hundred yard game. So now you add the six points for at least one touchdown. Maybe some of these guys get in for two touchdowns or something along those lines. So now your, your projection number of the five to seven catches, a hundred yards and a touchdown is 18 to 24 fans. I'm sorry, is... 24 to 27 fantasy points somewhere in there. So if you can get these guys in that five to seven range, you're talking about guys that are going to give you a four to six, you know, return on that per thousand dollars that you're getting from them. That seems to be the sweet spot. And the reason why I want to say that is, you know, you have guys this week, like a Marvin Mims, who's a stone cold $3,000 minimum over on DraftKings. The problem is you still need Mims to put up, like a hundred yards or a touchdown or three or four catches or like three catches, 70 yards and a touchdown in order for him to kind of equate to what some of these guys that are going to be in that five to seven range, you look at a lot of the winning lineups. I, I, I look at lineups on Monday morning to see who the guys played that won all the money on the weekend so that I understand how the roster construction that I have to build for the next week to get lineups that have an opportunity to win all that money. And as you like to say, to win all that cash and take yes. it all home. And what you tend to see is that those are the guys that are playing people. They're not always playing the Justin Jefferson at 88, 8,900 because he's got to go off, which he will a couple times this year, maybe two or three for those just monster, like, you know, 10 catch 180 yard, two touchdown type games. 
but you tend to see a lot of those guys in that like five to seven range, you know, guys like uh, Amari Cooper are in that range. He's a guy that I have a lot of interest in this week. Guys like Mike Williams from the, from the LA chargers, who's going to be playing out of the slot, big Mike Williams out of the slot this year. When he's healthy, he's a great downfield threat. If he's going to be in the slot, he might even put up some more of those Keenan Allen target numbers this year. So like, those are the kind of guys that I'm looking at. Find me guys in that five to seven range that you think can end up with 100 yards, get their butts in the end zone, and they're going to see, you know, seven to 10 targets and catch five to seven of them. Those tend to be the guys that end up on the winning rosters over there. And again, with a guy like a Deion Jackson, who we talked about here, you can put a Deion Jackson, three or four of those guys in that like 6K range right there, still pay up for a good quarterback get yourself a somewhat cheap tight end and still have the money for a stud running back. One of the guys towards the top, the Ecklers, the, you know, the Christian McCaffrey's or something like that. That's the, that's the kind of lineups that I'm going to have this week and probably for the rest of the season. So spending that mid five to seven range for uh wide receivers there. And then, you know, you'll have the chance to spend up on at least one running back, spend down on the other one. You'll be able to get a decent quarterback in there, a decent tight end and a decent defense. And then you're going to give yourself a chance to win a lot of money. Yo, I love how Benny also uses some of my speeds isms and remembers them. Another one that I always love to say is we're not just giving you a fish. We are teaching you how to fish. And that's what Benny Ricciardi is doing right now with his approach to the wide receiver position right here on the Fantasy Freestyle brought to you by Cloud 10 Podcast Network. You play to win the game. All right, so next here on Fantasy Freestyle, what we got to do is look at the tight end position. And we already gave you a guy like Higby who may be, you know, benefiting for the lack of Cooper Cup there. I got to tell you, there's another um, tight end that I actually think is going to take a, a bigger of the share because a wide receiver is out, Benny, and that's over in Denver. Listen, I think Greg Dolchich is interesting. He's at 5,300 on FanDuel. I think without Jerry Judy there, he's going to get more targets. And I think people are sleeping on him. Like this was a big time pass catcher in college. He's got the frame. And I think, listen, in in Sean Payton offenses, the tight end has always been really utilized. He is someone who, along with Higby, they're both at 5,300 on FanDuel that I think are interesting. And both because not like a tight end issue, but the wide receiver one of that team is going to be gone. And so there's targets up for grabs. Yeah, I don't I don't hate him. I like him more on DraftKings, where I think okay. he's in like the three thousand dollar, the three thousand dollar range there for Greg Dolchich. But over on FanDuel, I mean you mentioned the guy and we talked about him already. I am big on Tyler Higby, Higby. over there at fifty three hundred this week. Yeah, that is that is my guy if I'm going for tight ends. I don't really love the idea of paying up for tight end. It's a position that I usually save on on, on, on both sites, right? Especially when Travis Kelsey is not on the list. If you look at sure. most projection systems, which I obviously do on, on, a, on a weekly basis, and even for season-long stuff too, you know, it's Travis Kelsey, and then there's a decent gap between that second sure. tier of guys. Hello? Yeah, like, you know, that second tier of guys like the Mark Andrews and the TJ Hawkinsons that are there. You know, and then you go down to the other guys that, you know, just really like tight end is such a a touchdown dependent, right, Benny? It's about like, do they get the touchdown or not? Yeah, it's really just such a low volume position after the first like handful of guys, right? Like you can throw like maybe a Kittle or Pitts and Ingram in there or like a Dallas Goddard or something like that. But then all the rest of these guys are like 
if you get three to five targets out of these guys in a game, that's actually a lot, right? So it really just comes down to who can get themselves in the end zone. The two guys that I've been looking at over on Fanduel are Tyler Higby, and I also like Jawan Johnson a little bit from uh, from New Orleans. Hmm. You know, he's a big target for them. He's a touchdown um, catch kind of guy right there. And I think Tennessee is going to be better than people are giving them credit for. So, I mean, you look at that New Orleans-Tennessee game. I actually like the, the tight end on the other side, too, and our boy uh, Chigo Conquo as well. But those are the kind of guys that I'm looking at over on Fandle. And then over on DraftKings, you know, like I said, I mean, I'm still kind of big on Higby, but he's a little bit more expensive over there. I'm actually looking to save some money. Um, a guy that a guy that I think is pretty interesting over there is Trey McBride from Arizona because – I just don't think Arizona is going to be able to to move the ball very much. I'm a little worried about um, Hollywood Brown, a guy who, who yeah. I do have a, a little bit of in, in best ball drafts this year. I just think that, you know, you got a quarterback who's basically just come in like a week ago or so when he was traded and he's going to be the starter for them. Like you're going to be looking for your security blanket. And I don't know how healthy Zach Ertz is going to be, how much he's going to be out there. You know, so like punting with a guy like Trey McBride for 3100 And I'll give you here. Here you go. We'll do another one of those. Let's teach everybody how to fish here. Please. One of the things, one of the things I like to do on DraftKings is go with the cheap tight end. And one of the ways that I try to get some of those cheap tight ends in is look at the team, look at the quarterback and the stack that you're using on your lineups if you're building a, a lineup with a stack. So like let's say you want to use a guy like Tua, right? So maybe you use Tua and you use one of those two wide receivers. And then you put like a like a dorm Smythe in there as the guy that you have on the other side of that game. Right. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. or somebody like that. Or if you're playing a Minnesota stack or a Tampa Bay stack, you know, maybe you throw a Kate Otten in there as well. Like that's usually the way I try to do it is if you're expecting to win a tournament, you need those games to shoot out that you're stacking. So why not take a cheap tight end and throw them in there hoping because, again, it's a touchdown dependent kind of position right. Hope that he steals a touchdown from one of the bigger name guys and you know, gets you that 12 to 15 points that just kind of keeps pace with the rest of the field. Even if one of the big guys has like 20, like like if a Mark Andrews has like a 20, 25 fantasy point game, but you got one of these men price guys that gets you 15, you're not really losing a lot of ground on the field because you're saving a couple thousand dollars that you're going to be able to spend up and make up that difference in that eight to 10 points that they get somewhere else. So it, it's such a volatile position that I think that's probably the way I'm going to go about doing it or I'm not even say probably that is the way that I'm going to go about doing it no I like that and you know we've already mentioned Higby I talk about Dolchich as well and you're talking about kind of like you said the the approach to this listen you got to nail the the shootout game right and if you happen to have in that stack you know you know let's say Tua right and he throws for four touchdowns well if one of them goes to the tight end or two of them goes to the tight end a little bootleg you know, kind of naked bootleg for two yards, then that's what's going to get you to actually cash and hit big in some of these tournaments. I also like what you're saying there around Arizona, Benny. I, in a lot of other drafts, though, um, with the same mindset, I have a few shares of uh, Rondell Moore who I believe is going to be in the slot because I don't know about Hollywood. I don't know about that wide receiver room. I do think they're going to have the negative game script. And finally, Rondell Moore, I think, is going to be in the slot where he belongs to be able to serve as that kind of security blanket. So interesting name just to note on that one. One last tight end I want to give you. And this one, I think, is, um, you know, because uh, the price was early. It's a rookie tight end, Benny. Uh, Luke Musgrave in Green Bay. There's been a lot of talk about him. He's, I think, had a great camp, showed himself to kind of flash with love and the first teamers. And what I like about the Green Bay 
passing offense is we don't really know who's going to emerge. You know, there is no veteran number one wide receiver there. You know, you got Watson and Dubs, but these guys are second year players as well. I think Musgrave is interesting. He's only at 4,500, which is pretty cheap over on FanDuel. I think there is a concentrated passing attack in Green Bay, and he has been getting a ton of targets. When he's on the field, he is running a ton of routes. So if you want to be cheap, I think Green Bay could be another place to go as well. Remember, they too, um, going up against Chicago, there should be some opportunity there. I like uh, Musgrave even in season long as one of those kind of lower level tight ends that might be touchdown dependent that I think could break out a little bit in his rookie year. So that's just one more name to note. And he's only at 4,500 over on FanDuel. But Benny, one of the things you said is that you think Arizona is going to struggle to move the ball. Uh, on Sunday, they're playing Washington Commanders in our nation's capital, and I'm with you. And that's that's the defense that I'm looking at, you know. And they're not the um, they're not the most expensive defense out there, but they're one of the ones, you know. And and let me ask you, in your approach here, do you look at getting good defenses or like fading? bad offenses and those matchups, you know, or fading, especially early on in the season, like these rookie quarterbacks, you know, coming out the gate. I'm going to be on Washington because I think Arizona is going to be, you know, kind of a tough slog all season long. But, you know, you could attack Anthony Richardson in his debut. You could attack uh, CJ Stroud in his debut. Or So what's the way you look at the defenses? Or do you just build the rest of your lineup, see how much money you got left over and then pick from there? You know what the funny thing is? Um, I could probably say yes to almost everything you just said here, right? Like, okay. I definitely think defense is the last thing that I put in. I definitely want to pick on teams that I think have, like, young quarterbacks or bad offenses. I think that's good. But the thing that I am most concerned with when I when I build my defense, um, my lineups, and I'm looking at defense, is fading what I think is going to be the chalk. And I think Washington gotcha. commanders are going to be very chalky. If you're playing in cash games, they're the team that you use, especially over on DraftKings. They're like $2,800. Very yeah. easy to fit in this week over there. But, you know, defense to me is the least predictable of all of the positions for fantasy, right? Because the way the scoring is, there are certain things that could just make a defense. Like I've seen a team give up 35 points and end up with 15 fantasy points and be the defense you wanted to start on that week. Right. So it's not always about like, oh, well, they're, you know, they're not going to give up a lot of points. Like the New England Patriots defense is the defense that I played a lot last year. I didn't think the Patriots were a very good football team last year, but I thought their defense was really good. They got a lot of turnovers there. The more turnovers you get, the more opportunities you have to turn them into touchdowns. Mm -hmm. You know, those are the kind of things that happen. So like even this week, you know, they're going up against Philly. Yeah, I think Philly's offense is going to score. I don't think Philly's offense is going to put up 35 against them. I think they might have maybe 20, 24, somewhere in that range. But I think the New England Patriots, because they're such a ball hawking defense that gets a lot of turnovers, it's going to go a little bit overlooked and, and they're a team that you might want to start over there. But here's the way that I'm going to say it is we know that defense is the most unpredictable of all the fantasy positions, right? So don't put too much thought, too much effort into, you know, I'm not going to go back and take out a wide receiver. I really like for a crappier one that I don't like to save a couple hundred bucks That's to get a better. Defense. Defense. Yeah. yeah. That is the, that is the last thing you want to do there. If you love your entire team with the exception of your defense, I would still play that lineup. If I love the team and I just like, you know what, I don't like this defense, I'm not going to go changing them out to try to get a top-tier defense in there 
at the at the expense of a guy that I had in my lineup that I liked at any of the other positions. So to me, defense is the least important position, not because it doesn't matter, but mostly because it's the hardest to predict. And even if you look at like what the predictions are and who people think are going to be the best defenses on a week, it doesn't always work out that way in terms of fantasy points because maybe that defense didn't get a lot of sacks or maybe they didn't get a lot of turnovers or maybe some other defense, like I said, who lost a game 42-35 Maybe they got two defensive touchdowns, though, and ended up with 17 or 18 points. So I think defense is the one place where you kind of want to be different because it is, in my opinion, if it's the most unpredictable and you want to try to find a way to differentiate yourself from the field, to me, the most important thing is stay away from the team that's going to be 20, 25% owned. Give me one of those defenses that's 3% owned, 4% owned, where you know, if they do happen to have the ball bounce their way and pick up a fumble on a strip sack, or if they do happen to get a pick six was they had a team backed up into their own, you know, end zone and they threw a stupid pick and somebody ran it in, then it's actually going to give me leverage on the field. If that defense goes and puts up 15 or 16 and that chalk defense that 25% of people were on, even if they play well and only put up eight or nine or 13 even, I'm still getting an advantage by taking a defense that less people had. So I think defense is a really good place to get leverage in your lineups if you're playing in tournaments. Now, again, if you're playing in cash games, yeah, you want to pick on the Arizona Cardinals. You want to pick on the Houston Texans. You want to pick on all these teams that are going to be really bad this year. That's the way to do it in cash games. That's the way to do it in your season-long leagues. But in DFS, I think the thing you really want to concentrate the most on is playing defenses that other people aren't playing. But you still want to play good defenses, Dane. Like, you still want to be able to make a case for the defense you're playing. You just don't want to play the chalk defense that everybody else is playing. But, you know, there are a bunch of other defenses out there who are playing teams that maybe aren't that great offensively. Like, you know, the Chicago Bears defense is not a defense that I think is all that good. But there is a case to be made that maybe Jordan Love isn't that good from what we Mm -hmm. saw last year. And if that's the case... Chicago Bears could get a couple sacks on them. They could get a couple turnovers. Like, you know, those are the things. You still want to make a case. Like, I'm not going to go out there this week and play, you know, whoever's going up against, like, uh, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to play the Tampa Bay defense this week, even though they're going up against Minnesota, because I think Minnesota's offense is still going to be able to put up points, and I think they're going to, you know, they're going to do well, and I don't think you're going to get a lot out of it. So you got to kind of think of it that way. It's like, don't play a defense just for the sake of playing a defense, but – you know, you don't have to play the chalkiest defense either because you're actually getting a lot more upside out of your defensive chance to win you a tournament if you're going away from the team that is the the highest owned. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I like, Benny, that you talk about in the tournament setting as well, right? Because if you're trying to win a tournament, especially a big one, you got to swing, you know? And so yeah. part of what you got to – I always liken it to if you're going to try to win a big March Madness bracket, you got to have some 14 and 15 or 13 seeds in there, right? You just got to get the right one. And the way you frame it I think is so great, Benny, the idea that – you know, defense is the most volatile, the least consistent. You're really going to get that pick six or do you get that five, six sack effort, right? So the idea of going with what you believe will be unowned so that if it does in fact pop, you know, kind of your delta on the field or your leverage, your benefit against the field is that much better and doing it instead of getting those chalk defenses. Again, my man, Benny Ricciardi here on the Fantasy Freestyle, not just giving you a fish, but teaching you how to fish to win your leagues and win that cash. That's what we do on the Fantasy Freestyle, representing the Cloud 10 Podcast Network. Well, Benny, you know, I've, 
I've talked football with you, I don't know, at this point for maybe like eight years or so. And I love it. I get myself smarter every time. My last question for you, let's get you out of here on this. How can we find some of your work throughout the football season? I know, you know, you stop by on Fantasy Freestyle. We'll love to have you back. But if they're not just listening to you here on this, how can we see the rest of your work? Because we're trying to profit this season. Yeah, just uh, the easiest way to follow everything I have is to go over to Twitter at Benny R11 over on the Twitter machine there. I, I do podcast stuff like this, you know, with other people as well. Not, although you are my favorite, Dane, as you know that, you know, I, I have I have my weekly shows for betting and DFS that are going to be coming out on the four deep network. I'll have some articles and stuff coming out. But everything I do, I always share it onto Twitter because that's where the people have been following me for the longest time. Shout out to everybody who follows me and, and actually listens to all the things that I say. There are very few subjects that I um, consider myself uh, super knowledgeable in. Fantasy sports and betting is definitely one of them. I want winners. I want people that want to win. Any of those things that I'm good at, if people want to follow me for it, that's the place at BennyR11 over on the uh, – it's not even a Twitter machine anymore. That's what I was going to say, like man. You're out there outdated yeah, over on what is it? Right Absolutely. And, yeah, and, you know, like I said, we got a lot of cool things going on over at 4deep.com, so you can – Click the link in my uh, my Twitter profile and go check that stuff out. We have uh, I'm throw a little tease out here for you. Ooh. I know Dane, you're already you're already in the uh, know on this, but we're building a studio and we're going to be doing some shows out of the studio this year. So I will absolutely come and hop on there. But you know you're going to have to come over and hop on and hang out in the studio once that's up and running. So pretty soon, very very soon, we're going to be unveiling it. So big things coming over there at 4D. Very happy with the. Uh, you know, the, the new job I got over there. A lot of responsibilities, but also a lot of fun I think we're going to have. That sounds great, Benny. Sounds like we'll do a home and home. You come visit my show. I'll come visit yours, and we'll make it happen all in the spirit of getting people what they need to win their leagues and win that cash. So for my man, Benny Ricciardi, I am merely the spitting statistician, Dane Martinez. Rejoice, everyone. Week one is upon us, and there's no better way to rejoice than to win some money, and hopefully you're able to do that after listening to us here on the Fantasy Freestyle. My guy, Matty Modica. We'll be back next week. We'll, you know, give our takeaways from week one, what we got right, what we got wrong, what surprised us, and how to apply it to the waiver wire and your fab budget. Be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for a new marketplace, for a new fantasy foes with Ronis, Corey Parson, Nando Defino, starting five, holding you down this football season. This has been another episode of the Fantasy Freestyle. Like follow, subscribe, give us a five-star review, all that good jazz, and tell a friend to tell a friend because we're trying to win chips. We're trying to win cash. We'll see you next week. We out. Peace.